All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Will from the Rooster Report, and today we're going to be talking about the Arlington Supercross. Now, this is the second round of the Triple Crown events, and this one was a good one. Before we get into it, though, we have some injury reports to go through. Now we have AC down. It looks like he injured his wrist, and it looks like we don't know when he's going to be back. There hasn't been any update with him, but hopefully a speedy recovery for him. And Joey Savacci, similar thing. He had a wrist injury, I think, in the first main event. And we saw him walking off the track holding his wrist. So it looks like, though, we do have an update. It looks like he's going to be back at the or at next week, Daytona. So good thing for that. Um, and that wraps it up for the injury there. Um, and I might be forgetting some other guys in the 250 class. But when we get to those, we'll, we'll shout them out. Okay, so most of you know now, uh, the Triple Crown events are three. It's a three-race platform, and this race, these type of races call for consistency. And so we're going to see the top guys, or what we think are the top guys, try to be as consistent as they can. Or this could also cater to the riders who are really good in the beginning of the races, who might not have the stamina to keep it the full 20 minutes. And so this is... The type of race that makes it really interesting. Also, because it is Olympic scoring here, um, it's going to be interesting who tries to pass who and what type of passes they try to make. Obviously, you don't want to take yourself out, so they have to plan it out smartly, um, and that's going to be a big factor within these type of races now. Now, the track looked pretty simple in my opinion. The biggest thing for me was the whoops. It looks like the whoops was giving a lot of riders some issues. Now, there was a bunch of different lines and different options going through the whoops, kind of forming in the middle of the race to the end there. It looks like they were skimming them in the beginning, and it kind of turned into a multitude of both of those at the end where they were skimming them to a point and then jumping out of the end there. And just depending on how you take the line or what line you take, it can be beneficial to your um, to you there. And I think with a lot of riders, like we saw Jason Anderson um, a lot take that jump line at the end, and it, he was able to set up for the turn nicely. But we also see guys like Sexton who were able to blitz all the way, and that might just be due to them being talented whoop riders and having that uh, experience in those whoops, being able to cater to how the track breaks down. And so that was really beneficial to those guys. Now, I haven't been a big fan of these Triple Crown events in the past, and that's basically due to a few things. Essentially, the biggest thing here is it's a big question mark on how these guys are going to do each race. Now, I do understand, and I'm all for it now, where the excitement factor is there. You're rooting for your guys, and uh, depending on how the track breaks down each race, depending on the starts that each racer gets, it could change the um, the ending of how these guys uh, perform. And so it, it's changed my mind, especially during the Anaheim Trip Crown. I thought that was a really good one, especially in the 250 class there, and even with the 450 class with Tomac going out. Not that I want to see that, but it was definitely something that was not typical that we do see, especially from him. But we have seen more um, of that kind of stuff happening um, within these type of races. And so it sparked my interest a little bit more this time around. So it seems how the season is playing out. With every Triple Crown event, there's going to be a Futures race. And so the Futures raced this 
last week as well. And that was also a fun race to watch. I think there are some guys up there that should be pro already. I think they're, I don't know what the deal is there. Maybe it's the team wanting to hold them back for a little bit more experience. That might just be the case. But um, it, it gives us a look into who we can see in the future. I think Daxon Bennett is a really big guy to look forward to. And there's a couple others in there. Um, there's Casey Cochran. I think he's a little young, and I think we're going to see him in the futures class a little bit more um, throughout the next year or two before we see him come up to the 250 class. But it is nice to see these guys coming out, racing the actual pro track, and seeing the, their speed and how they line up to uh, to the other guys. And um, I think it's going to be implementing these type of races is important in my opinion. I think they offer that experience that you can't get anywhere else. You can make a super cross track, but you don't really get the experience if you don't race under the lights. So I'm really, I'm really glad that they brought in the futures to the night program and not just some other day like they have done in the past. And so I think this is a really big uh, takeaway for those guys and it's a big learning experience for them for sure. Okay, so one thing to know about this race before we get into the whole racing side of it is the cool thing about this race, and especially for Arlington, is they were saying it was a sold-out house, and that is really important to me and I think for the sport. Now, we know that sales haven't really been doing the best in the last couple of years, especially with COVID, and now they're just kind of ramping back up. But it is nice to see that people are coming and attending and enjoying the races. And so that's really exciting for all of us and the sport because it just grows the sport even more. And so hopefully we see more of that in the coming weeks, in the coming years. Okay, for these type of races, the key factors are the starts. Now coming in the 250 race one, Hunter gets that start and he's able to kind of maintain everything from that point. And these tracks, it is kind of like the high intensity because you got to keep the high intensity for all three races. And so you got to find that level of comfortability, but have that intensity at the same time with these different type of races. Now, I think where Hardy Muniz went wrong is he, well, it looks like he just made a mistake in the whoops. So, um, and I don't really know if that was avoidable. It might've just been a race incident on his own. But again, these type of races call for that high level intensity and this just ramps up the crashes and it ramps up everything that happens within these type of races. And so Hardy Meaners kind of had to bite the bullet there, unfortunately for him. And with that crash, it looks like someone else came in, drilled him in the back really hard. And then to top it all off, uh, Cody Shot came in and looks like he just parked his bike really close to him. And I don't know if he hit him or was close enough to touch him, but uh, that was definitely a scary incident. And these guys, you can't really blame them for doing making that type of pileup. They're all locked into the lines, and when you're going that fast, I imagine it's so hard to course correct, and you just kind of have to ride it out. So I said earlier that the whoops were the biggest factor that were going to be the separator and the mistakes where all the mistakes were going to happen. And it looks like Deegan was not able to overcome one of those. And it looks like he goes down pretty gracefully in the whoops, but it sets him back pretty far. And unfortunately, he I don't think he got the greatest start. 
and um, he had to fight back up, but that kind of hurt his overall score at the end there. Um, unfortunate for him, but he was able to get up back and healthy and race on to the finish. So to finish out this race, Hunter Lawrence was able to come out on top, and this was really important for him. He needed to come out and just wax the crew out there, and he did so with little to minimal issues there and um i think that set the tone on who is the guy for these type of races or even for the season there and uh, he definitely is a force to be reckoned with and so he wins the first race followed by thrasher second and max anstey third okay so moving on to race number two now so race number two starts off and all the top guys get a good start hayden deacon does get the whole shot there so redemption for him um, and he's quickly overtaken by, uh, I think it's Jordan Smith there. And I think this is a good position for Jordan Smith. He hasn't performed in the past and he has had kind of a string of bad luck here. And I think that's the common thing with him. And, uh, it looks like he is working hard to break that and he's able to break out front and take away from these guys. Um, going into back further in the field there, we have, uh, Hunter Lawrence, we have Max Anstey, we have uh, Nate Thrasher, and the battle was between Nate Thrasher and Hunter Lawrence throughout the uh, later half of the race, and it looks like Nate Thrasher, through the whoops, was able to run Jet Lawrence high, and I think that was a good move for Nate. I think he needed to kind of put himself in a position there to uh, put a wheel on Jet to kind of show him, like, hey, I can run with you. And I think that kind of set the the tone for the rest of the race now. Now I think Hunter had a little bit more speed, and it looks like Nate might have or might have been playing a little defense, and it kind of came down to that over-under where it's that controversial jump where it, some people might call it uh, cross-jumping. Some, some might say it was just that type of racing, whatever you want to call it. That's not really my opinion to call what if it was dirty or not. But uh, call it what you will. He jumps from the outside into the inside and uh, clips Hunter's wheel at the very end of it when they land and Hunter goes down and he wasn't able to remount to a strong finish like he did in the first race. But he was able to get back up to third. So that's... That's pretty strong in my opinion. Uh, good enough for him to salvage what he could have had um, if he didn't put on that charge. Now, along with this battle, Ricky said it best in my opinion. I think what when it comes to this style racing, Nate Thrasher is going to learn from that uh, incident there. And he's going to either decide to continue with that and that's going to define him as a rider. Or he's going to learn from it and he's going to either make other decisions when it comes to racing like that. And like I said, I don't really have an opinion if it was dirty or not. I think it was interesting to see uh, the line choices that he did take and if it was necessary. It was still, there was still time in the race. I think they had about four or five minutes left and he definitely could have uh, done it without jumping in that far. He probably could have jumped in a little bit, but not as much where it would have taken him out. I get the point, though. You want to take the line away so uh, Hunter doesn't have that um, advantage. And that is something where it's just it's up to you to make your your own opinion on that. And um, 
with that being said, though, it's something to remember and look forward to next week. We'll see how Hunter either retaliates or kind of rises above it at that point and see how he races. I don't think he'll come out as strong as Thrasher. I don't think he needs to. I think he has the speed enough to take away from that experience and ride away from him in a way where he doesn't have to get involved. But that's something to to note and something to uh, remember. And something to uh, keep in mind here is that Nate Thrasher has won Daytona before. And this is something where Hunter can come in and realize that, hey, this is a track that he might be good at as a hybrid track. And he could have some strength there. And so where he can uh, capitalize or take advantage, uh, I think that's got to be Hunter's next best move. But to finish out this race, though, uh, we had, it looks like, Jordan Smith with the win there and then followed by Thrasher and then Hunter Lawrence for third. Um, This is, they both still put themselves in good positions to win um i even though that it might not have been the race that they wanted or either of them even though it might have benefited one of them um they're still in the hunt for the overall there and it shapes up for a really interesting third race okay so moving into the last race of the 250 class for the triple crown here we have uh hunter lawrence getting a little little bite there from somebody's tire and going over there the bars there and collects Max Anstey with him. Now, with that being said, Max Anstey does a really good job of getting back up really quickly and uh, getting the bike off a jet and as well as getting on and taking off for himself. And they both do a really good job of this. Now, they're chasing down the guys in front of them. And the guy who's leading is Nate Thrasher. Now, Nate Thrasher has a commanding lead over the guys behind him. And what's going on behind him is uh, Michael Moseman and a couple other guys like um, we saw Jordan Smith in a pileup and a few other guys get collected underneath the over-under. And that was uh, a big help for um, Hunter Lawrence as he was fighting through the field and it allowed him to have those guys closer. And so at this point, when he gets to these guys, he's just a little bit closer to hunting down uh, Nate Thrasher there. And um, it's up to Nate Thrasher to pull it out. Now, as Hunter's coming through the field collecting guys to you know make his position a little bit better there, um, Nate Thrasher is out front and he has nobody in front of him other than just lappers. And so he's just got to worry about maintaining his lead. And we have a quiet second place there. Uh, Jeremy Martin has been in the top five a few times here. Um, if you look at his last race, race two, he was 12th due to a crash that he had on the first lap there. But um, his first race was six, and so he's always kind of in that position to be in top five, but hasn't really broken the barrier to be on the podium, especially when it counts. And so he's uh, just sitting there waiting for Thrasher to um, make something happen for him. And to his advantage, that incident happens. Nate Thrasher goes down in the whoops on his own, and Jeremy Martin's there to capitalize. And uh, that's something where... um, you know, Nate Thrasher had full control of uh, dominating this race. And uh, with the high level of intensity, maybe that might a little bit of focus might have gotten off off key there. And he wasn't able to pull out the win there. But um, 
it allows Jeremy Martin to pull through and uh, keep the lead there to the end. And then quiet third place there was Tom Vial. Now, we have seen Tom Vial have pretty good races, you know, considering that he hasn't had a lot of Supercross time. And so uh, good for him to be up in the top uh, top three there and top two now. But um, it's it kind of, the story is uh, Nate Thrasher and if he can consistently hold that lead when the pressure is high. Now, I think this was a big boost for Jeremy Martin. Um, I know it wasn't a overall win, but a win's a win in my opinion. And I think this can ultimately be a big, huge motivator for him. And I think going into Daytona, this is more of his speed where he's an outdoor guy. He's really good um, when it comes to uh, those rougher tracks. And like we think about Southwick or any of those outdoor tracks that you can think of that have really uh, sandy, rutted bases. And I think this is a motivator for him to come into next weekend and excel. And so we have uh, Jeremy Martin first in that race. And then we had Tom Vial second with Jordan Smith third. Now, the overall for this race was um, Nate Thrasher, Jordan Smith, and Hunter Lawrence. Now, there's a big controversy on how Nate Thrasher rode. We already talked about that. But again, I'll say this again. I think we just have to wait for Daytona to see how all these guys react to last week's incident and see how they go forward. Okay, now on to the big boys. So we have the 450 class race one and... All eyes were on Tomac and how he was going to do. But what was surprising to me, at least, was how strong uh, Roxon came out. And we haven't seen too much of Roxon in the last couple weeks. Um, he has had a couple uh, top fives, a podium here and there. But um, we haven't seen him rise to the speed that we know he's at. And so this race really showed where he could be at. And I think that's all due to his shock change. We know that... Uh, he was, I think, he was on Factory Connection at one point, and then he went back to the stock Showa Shock and or uh, Showa's version of their Factory Shock, and so um, I think that was a big move for him. Um, coming up the field though was Chase Sexton and Justin Barsha. Now, uh, especially for all you guys that are Sexton fans, when anybody comes with along with Barsha, you're always worried on how that's going to play out and. Uh, it looks like he was able to outsmart him and avoid the the crash there. And I don't know if Barsh is riding a little bit more reserved. He could have, in the turn before the over-under, uh, he could have taken him a lot wider. But um, And he did take him really wide. But uh, in, in past races, he has taken people off the track. I don't know if he was talked to or not, but it seemed like he was riding a little bit more reserved or uh, riding a little bit more... Um, I don't know if there's pressure on there from a team or whatever, but it seems like he didn't bam bam like we've seen him. So um, a good thing for Jason Sexton, though, he was able to stay up and push through the field. So now if you missed it, Jason Anderson went down the first turn, and I don't know if that was due to any specific reason. That might have been on his own or not, but um, he had to come to the crowd, and unfortunate for him because he looked really fast today. And... That was really a, a bummer for him to be on the ground, especially for all of us who were hoping he would be able to mount charge. Now, um, he did; he was able to come up 
back to eighth. And I think given the time and given the pressure that these races call for with minimal mistakes, I think he did a decent job there. Was hoping for him to get up a little bit sooner or a little bit uh, higher up in the field there. But, I mean, you can't really blame him with, with these shorter races. He just needs to keep it clean. But to wrap it all off, Tomac is able to get the first win with Ken Roxon in second and Chase Sexton third. Now, again, I think all eyes need to be on Roxon for the next couple of weeks. Hopefully this was a big uh, game changer for him with the shock change and maybe a big motivator for him. And so really glad to see that. And uh, we'll just be keeping looking forward to what happens next weekend. All right, so 450 race two, Jason Anderson gets a little bit of redemption here with a better start, and he's able to collect up into first place, and he's able to hold that lead there. But um, behind him, coming through the field, were Tomac and Sexton, and Sexton gets a little squirrely before the whoops, and it looks like he was going to go down, but he has a pretty good save there. Um, Was losing a little bit of positions there due to that mistake, but... Interesting to see how he climbs up through the field. Now, again, with these mistakes that I've been mentioning all about here, um, with these mistakes, especially with Sexton, uh, it's all about that high intensity. Again, I can't stress that enough. It's a you, you got to find a comfortability with the control and being as uh, competitive as you can. And I think for a lot of riders, even these higher level riders here, the factory riders. Um, that can be an issue, and maybe that's the power of the bike there, uh, or whatever you may you may want to chop it up to. But um, with Sexton there, it looks like what happened is he railed the turn too hard and in the inside, and where it was slick. And now we know that the turns are slick, and uh, I think that was just poor line choice by him. But he was able to come out of it and unscathed. So uh, looking for him to charge up to the field. Now, to my surprise, Sexton was able to remount and chase down Tomac. And I think a lot of us wonder why Tomac sometimes has these slump of races there. And um, I think it's due to the fact that he's trying to manage his control. Um, I think he thinks he can put himself into a position that might be um, not as beneficial for him in regards to these racing conditions. And it looks like Sexton might have been willing to risk more for the reward than Tomac was at the end of the day. Now, um, it looks like Sexton put on a really good charge and was able to hold that above Tomac. But again, I think it just depends on how you want to ride these type of races. Now, Jason Anderson's able to get Cooper Webb, who was leading the race at the time, and um, it looks like Cooper Webb was able to kind of um, manage that second place there above Sexton. Um, it seems like they had a little bit of a gap there too as well. But um, even then, I think that uh, with Cooper's race IQ, he puts himself in a good position in the second race. Had an okay first race. He got fifth place. But um, with this second race, I think, again, same with Sexton uh, or and Tomac. I think he just realized that, hey, Jason Anderson's got a little bit more intensity in this race. I'm just going to le- let it to him to win this. The overall still there. I don't need to win every race. Um, I'm still in the title hunt. Now, to finish off this race, it looks like Jason Anderson's able to mount the win there with Cooper Webb in second and a good charge from Chase Sexton in third. 
Now this is going to set up the third race because it looks like at this time, uh, Jason Anderson's got nine points. We have Cooper Webb with seven points and Chase Sexton with uh, six points. And so everybody's kind of closer. And even Tomac's got about five. So there's a couple of guys that could take this at this point. Oh, and if, if you even add Roxon, he had eight points as well. So they're all in there. Um, and at this point where you're from five to eight, that's not really that big of a deal. Um, I think as long as you get a good start and you're able to manage um, who is behind you and uh, where you're at on the track, I think that can work to your benefit in these t- in these type of races. Now we're moving on to the last race here, and this is going to be one of the most crucial races for these guys. So let's see how it goes. All right, moving into the last race here of the night for the Triple Crown event for the 450 guys, uh, Tomac is able to remount his start and take the whole shot. And it looks like he's got a, a pretty good lead, but Chase Sexton is coming up behind him until the he gets into a turn before the over-under there. And again, we mentioned before, these turns are slick, and so you have to be really careful in how you enter them with what kind of speed. Um, and that's all ha- that all has to be calculated before you uh, execute that turn. And so he slides out there. And uh, he loses a little bit of ground, gets up really quickly, I should say, but loses a little bit of ground to Tomac. But it isn't too much later where Tomac goes over the over-under lap or two later and washes out. And um, pretty similar fall to what we saw Hunter do. And I think with this fall that Tomac had, it can demonstrate a little bit of what happened with Hunter. Not to say that Thrasher's off the hook there, but um, I think... Also, the track and the conditions played into those falls. Now, at this point, it sets Tomac about fifth or sixth place, and it's all up to Sexton to kind of take over from there. But following this, um, we see Jason Anderson and Cooper Webb coming up through the field, and it looks like Jason Anderson has a hiccup in the whoops, was able to save it, but again, those guys, they choose their lines, and the whoops break down, and they get tricky. And so it's it depends on how they can ride their bike and what their talent is and what their race IQ is within these type of situations on how they can execute. Um, not every rider has that luxury, but I think the top riders have pretty good idea of how they can come out of things. And it looks like Jason Anderson, even though he gave up a position and that wasn't his ideal uh, moment there, but... Uh, I think he pulled out of it smartly and was able to mount to a good finish there. Now, at the last little bit of the race here, we have uh, Chase Sexton and Cooper Webb. And Cooper Webb is trying to chase down Sexton. But it looks like Chase Sexton has it um, taken care of until they get to the whoop section. Now, we mentioned the whoop section a lot now, and that's just been the main factor of this race. That was the biggest mistake area. And Chase Sexton actually didn't make a mistake here. That will, the biggest mistake that he made was um, choosing his line, which essentially uh, allowed a, a lapper to uh, allowed him to get behind a lapper that he couldn't get away from quick enough. And uh, it looks like there was a uh, a two race racer pile up there, and it slowed him up enough for Cooper to catch up, and because. Sexton got behind Grant Harland, not intentionally, but he was trying to get around him. And it looks like Grant Harland was trying to get out of the way. It wasn't really his fault. And 
and you guys got to understand this. This is a race incident here. This is what these type of races always consist of. And so you can blame the flaggers. You can blame anyone you want. But essentially, that's part of racing. You just got to be able to choose your lines smartly and trust that the other rider might not be there. And it's always a gamble. But Cooper Webb is able to uh, get the pass there and uh, take on for the win. Now, this is what Cooper does best, is he puts himself in a good position, and this is probably due to his race IQ, but he puts himself in a good position for these guys to make mistakes or for other people to make mistakes for them, and he uh, essentially just capitalizes on those instances, and he's able to mount a charge to the win there, and uh, again, this is where he's really good at racing. He doesn't have to be the fastest guy in the field, but he just has to be there. And he's the biggest rider that has been able to capitalize on mistakes that I've seen in this last decade or so. And so uh, he's he's got something good for him, and I hope other riders can figure it out because if they don't, he's someone that is going to always still win from these guys, even when he's not the fastest rider. Okay, to finish out that race, we had... Cooper Webb first, Chase Sexton second, and then Jason Anderson third. But the overall went to Cooper Webb. Even though that Chase Sexton and him were tied, they gave Cooper Webb the overall because he won the last race. Um, Chase Sexton in second, Eli third, Jason Anderson fourth, and fifth was Ken Roxon. Now, this race was as interesting I think as it, it can get um, without too many crashes I think a lot of this really came down to who's really proficient in the whoops and nobody really was it just who had the better run of it and so uh, these guys are really dependent on that consistency within that section now moving on to next week we have Daytona now this is one of my favorite races I look forward to it every weekend I think the hype around it is uh Duly noted, and with Bike Week going on, it just tops it off with Supercross at the end. And it's something that is not, we don't see in Supercross very much. We've seen it more often, especially with Atlanta in the last couple of years. But these type of races are my favorite. Uh, it's a hybrid race of an outdoor track and a Supercross track. And uh, these rhythm sections and whoop sections are long, and there's braking bumps. And there's really big jumps. Now, for this class, the biggest guy to look out for is Tomac. But again, don't count out Cooper Webb because he always is lurking in the background. Now, I think this track also could cater to Jason Anderson as well. He just needs to stay up and not make any mistakes or get in any situation with any other rider. And don't ever count out Chase Sexton. He's always there to make a charge. So essentially, these top three guys could take it away. But... Um, we also are overlooking uh, AP. AP didn't uh, perform as well as he had this last race than he has in the past three or four. But this track is also a really good indicator of what he can be in. So we've seen him have good results in these type of races before. And I'm looking for him to be hopefully in the top three. Uh, hopefully he can make a podium this next round. 
But that's it for the Rooster Report, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. We're climbing up here on the listening scale, and it's really interesting and fun to watch on how many viewers we get. And um, I'm looking to grow this channel a little bit. You know, this is a podcast that is made by fans for fans. So if there's anything you want to hear, just let me know, and we'll put it in, in the next podcast. But that's it for now. This is Will from the Rooster Report, and we'll catch you next time.